Welcome to the Senior Pet Podcast, a show dedicated to giving our senior four-legged family members their happiest and healthiest lives. Now join our senior pet experts, veterinarian Dr. Stacy Bone and animal health insider Ron DeVries as they discuss why old age is not a disease. Hey listeners, Dr. Bone here. Believe me, as both a veterinarian and senior pet owner myself, I know how hard it can be to find safe and effective solutions for the problems of your senior pets. There are so many products on the market, and frankly, the majority of them are not worth the containers they're put in. That's one of the reasons why we created this podcast, to help you make those decisions. And it's also why we created Pawtology.com. At Pawtology, we are dedicated to searching out the best products on the market for senior pets so you don't have to. You can rest easy knowing we only carry products that are proven safe, effective, and designed specifically with senior pets in mind. And where solutions don't exist, we at Pawtology are tirelessly working on creating them. With products like Paw Friction, a paw pad coating system to help your dogs navigate smooth and hardwood floors, we are working to help your four-legged family members navigate aging with confidence. Pawtology is also your number one source for senior pet education with our podcasts and blogs covering tons of topics that you are searching for. So please head over to Pawtology.com and give new life to your senior pets. Welcome everybody to the Senior Pet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Stacy Bone, and with me is my co-host, Ron DeVries. Ron, how's it going? Stacy, I am great. We are in the middle of summer or getting into the middle of summer and the weather's starting to show and I'm slowly going from a really pasty white to a less white. <laughs> I feel that, except for me, it's that beautiful farmer's tan because I'm outside mowing and that's about all the exposure I get. A nice uh, pink hue. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Ron, I, I thought today, you know, we covered the last two episodes, I, I feel like a really important topic. And, you know, we know not everybody has all the time in the world. And let's just be honest and say that I can be we'll use the nice term long-winded a little bit sometimes. And so I thought, man, it'd be a great idea for us to maybe just lay out, you know, a bite-sized pod episode on cognitive so that people can refer back to it if they need to. Uh, Because we touched on a lot of stuff, but I think we can pare it down and really get to the core meat of what people need to know in, in one episode. How do you feel about that? I like it. Okay. A lot of people with ADHD and uh, that'll that'll maybe <laughs> right. we should put some sort of asterisk by it online. Right. ADHD and short commutes, because I feel like everybody <laughs> listens to podcasts in the cars these days. Well, I think that cognitive dysfunction is something that all of us, you know, all pet owners, whether dogs or cats are going to have to deal with at some point in their lives. We know that cognitive dysfunction, as we've talked about, you know, two episodes ago, it's just unbelievably common. And when we talked about symptoms, Ron, I think one of the big things was, you know, these symptoms are are not only very subtle, 
they're sometimes hard to recognize, but I feel like it's sometimes difficult for us to put two and two together and say that these symptoms are secondary to cognitive disease. Because remember, we talked about all those symptoms and we talked about how they overlap with a lot of other problems that our senior pets face. So Ron, why don't you run everybody down maybe some of the symptoms from personal experience or what we talked about and all that kind of good stuff that uh, you know we need to be watching for in our senior pets. And Stacy, I remember, uh, was it Disha? Disha, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which uh, was the acronym for some of the cognitive uh, symptoms and signs that that we're seeing. Um, I believe the first one was that dissocialization, disorientation. disorientation. Yeah, so that's the uh, you know my we own talked handwriting about... cost me. <laughs> we talked about how <laughs> sometimes you go into rooms and you get a little lost, um, and the, and our dogs do that too, and cats for that matter, and and that can be in a, a room or outside or in the yard or what have you. So definitely disorientation is a big one. And we certainly see that. And uh, sometimes we think that that pet is looking for somebody or something in particular. And then you realize, no, they just don't know where they are. Absolutely. And then hopefully when they find us again, they'll, it'll snap back from what was it? Impaired social interaction. Exactly. And that's the, you know, that is the, I don't come to you as often as I once used to, or I seem a little bit more distant. They always used to sit on your lap at night whenever you watch TV, but now they sit on the recliner down the, you know, down the room. Those, those interactions can be really important. And and I would argue, Ron, and, and we both dealt with this, that this is one of the toughest symptoms because that bond that you've had with that animal for so long is really disrupted and and it's disrupted after 13, 14, 15 years of having them. And that's a tough one. It, it, It feels like that's when you start to lose your, your pet, right? Exactly. When that interaction's not there or not as frequently there. And yeah, that one hurts a little bit, quite frankly. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. It's a tough one. What else we had? Is it sleep wake cycles? Correct. Correct. <laughs> and I think everybody that's gone through it knows exactly what that is. Yeah, we don't really need to explain it too much. It's just these are the animals that'll be up off and on all night long. They'll have difficulty going to sleep. It's the sundowners term that a lot of people use that they they just really are are not appropriate in these patterns of sleep and wake. For those of us that have been through that, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening have been, boy, that's that's the one that that scares you a little bit because yeah. there's nothing you can do. And just like when you if you have a child and you go through those early months, maybe weeks, days, whatever, uh, where you don't get any sleep and you don't know that they're sleeping or at least not on your schedule, they're not. Right. Same thing with your with your pet. Um boy, that's a, a rough one when they start meandering around the closet. And um, yeah, we, we all have different ways of dealing with those, right. but uh, it's certainly a, certainly a symptom that jumps out at us. Right. And it fries your patience. You're not sleeping good. They're not sleeping good. It it's shortens that fuse a lot, which is a, a difficult thing sometimes. And, you know, you don't mean to yell, you don't mean to, to punish or anything like that, but it's one of those, those situations that everybody's on edge and that's a, that's tough. 
luckily most of my dogs have gone deaf by the time we've experienced those symptoms so (laughs) my yelling was really just for my own purposes i guess Uh, another one was soiling is that correct how soiling yeah and again doesn't need a lot of explanation does it just a lot of uh elbow grease yeah, and I think that the the one thing that maybe we talked about, but but honestly, it's been a little bit since we recorded is, you know, these are the dogs that'll go outside and they'll like walk around the yard for 15, 20 minutes, and then they'll come back inside and then they'll urinate in the house. And <laughs> and it's tough because you you expected them to do what they needed to do for the 25 minutes they roamed around the backyard. But remember that cognitive impairment makes it it difficult them they don't know what they're doing um and so they just kind of go wherever they go just like when i said on, on our last episode you know i went into the kitchen to get my dog with cognitive issues to treat and i forgot why i went in there um you know we 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 walk into that room or or, in, or outside you go oh yeah well <laughs> why did i do that again so you know even at my age well i don't know that it's generally related to anything other than forgetfulness um you know you can appreciate what they're going through right and when they come in and and having the patience to not get upset with them exactly uh, just get out your elbow grease and and clean it up and move right on. <laughs> i think the last two i don't know that i'd say they go hand in hand but they do start with a so a- anxiety and activity yeah. and i assume anxiety as we were talking uh, earlier about, uh, or at least before the podcast, about fireworks, right? That causes anxiety in a lot of dogs. And again, as we think about senior dogs, the same kind of issues, as long as they have uh, good hearing, unlike my dogs, yeah, um, that can be a big issue. And then the activity portion as well. And I assume, Stacey, I would love for you to jump in here. That's a change in activity, not necessarily one direction or the other. Exactly. I would say maybe probably more so a, a decline in activity, but you're absolutely right. It can be a change in they're doing things they're not supposed to, their activities off. I mean, it's just a, you know, I think the best way to describe it, it's a deviation from normal. You know, the, these animals have been around us for long, long periods of time. We know our pets better than anybody in the world. We know what they do in a, in a just a big drastic change from what they normally do would be a red light that flashes off that says, ah, you know, this is abnormal. And then anxiety being the number one reason why I, as a veterinarian, am going to see your pet. And we have to understand that in the realm of cognitive disease, that anxiety is a symptom of a larger problem. So it's not just me giving you the Xanax or the Trazodone or what have you. It's, it's also understanding that there's a bigger process at play here that we need to address as well. Now, I was just reading an article, Ron, not too long ago that was talking about they're, they're throwing in possibly a new letter into this list. So now it's Dishol um, with Whoa. an L on the end. And the L stands for learning and memory. And that makes sense. I mean, cogn- cognition is learning. Cognition is memory. It's recalling and learning new things. And certainly that gets affected as animals age as well. And it would be difficult to expect a 13-year-old dog who is in the throes of cognitive decline to learn a new routine or, or move to a new house and not have issues with understanding that big change going on around them. Make sense? 
Yeah, I think we lived through that with with one of our dogs and and having had two seniors at the same time, one more senior than the other, and her transition into a new house wasn't a good one for her. I don't think it ever is. I think it's difficult for change, period, but it certainly is more difficult for change when you have an animal with cognitive dysfunction. I feel like because their olfactory plays such a big role in not only human memory as well, but for their their memory and reminding them where they are. Right. Um, I, I feel like that's a real big one. And and uh, yeah, we we saw it take its toll on one of ours. But uh, note to self: don't move when your dog's fifteen or right. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, or do what you can to make that as easy as possible. But I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that's tough. It's a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, certainly we've talked about that these symptoms are very common. We know cognitive dysfunction is very common, but now it's time to throw myself under the bus and say, we as veterinarians are not good at diagnosing this. And we need to empower ourselves as pet owners to understand that this is a disease that's going to affect almost all senior and super senior pets. And we need to do things in advance of the disease process coming in to slow it down, potentially stave it off. And and we made the analogy of, you know, essentially cognitive dysfunction is putting down all of these roadblocks in your brain. And the best thing that we can do if we somebody blocks our road is to use a side road. And what we need to do as pet owners is help our pets to create these side roads. So we talked a lot about treatments, and I'm sure that's what a lot of people are listening in on is they want us to say, all right, get to the treatments. So there were really four main treatments that we talked about, Ron. The first one, very inexpensive and very easy, but specifically revolves around dogs. What was that? Do you remember? Was that environmental enrichment? Yeah, because remember that Yeah, dogs and cats, for that matter, the cognitively poor lives. And we gave some great examples of what we can do with dogs. We can do puzzle bowls. We can do walks. We can do all the toys. We can throw things. I mean, we can do all these small daily changes with our pets to really improve their cognition. And cats, unfortunately, are not small dogs, that they're a little bit different. So unfortunately, when we have a cat who has cognitive dysfunction, we got to do the best we can to keep things the same. They just don't handle um, change very well and and certainly change whenever they cognitively can't process what's going on. So what was the next thing we talked about? I think then we got into some things like supplements. Yeah. And there's a lot of supplements on the market. and, And, you know, I would say that there's one that has really a lot of evidence that shows that it works. I think technically two. But the one we talked about a lot was Senolife, and Senolife is available. Um, we carry it on our website at pathology.com. The other one we talked about a little bit was SAMe, and I just want to put that asterisk out there and say there are a ton of supplements out in this world, and a lot of them don't have any evidence for their efficacy whatsoever. So these are the two that have studies that back their usage now. Ron, we talked about this, I think, last time as well. We both use Senolife in our dogs. Our experience was not super good. And I I think for me, it was because Bailey was already 
so deep into cognitive dysfunction that I couldn't have expected a supplement to really do much. Is that what you saw with Rudy too? Yeah, I think that's, that hits the nail on the head, Stacy. you know, and, and, uh, you know, the manufacturer probably understands that as, as a hindrance as well. Right. I mean, it's probably like a lot of other issues, diseases and otherwise, right. Once, once you get to a certain point, it's tough to really bring it back. Yeah. If we want to be cliche, it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in these kind of, kind of situations. Uh, we also talked about diet, and we know that diet can be, a, a, you know, both a therapy and I want to say even a prevention strategy. The two prescription diets that we have on the market are Purina's NeuroCare and Hills BD that are prescription diets that your veterinarian can prescribe to you. The over-the-counter diets, I think we mentioned um, Purina's Bright Minds. And then there was another one I didn't talk about, but Hill's Senior Vitality is a good diet too, is just a um, general wellness diet for senior pets. So again, these need to be started well in advance of significant disease and they can't be done alone. It's, it's a multi-tiered strategy, more things together. Just feeding the diet didn't seem to make as good of an improvement as if you fed the diet and you did all of these other things. Make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And I'm just trying to, trying to think, how could you help some pet owner like myself understand ahead of decline that this would be a good time to start this and why? And that's the rock and the hard plate yeah. place. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like you know, on one hand, we're saying here are these things you need to start early. And on the other hand, we're saying it's really hard to know what's going on. So in my advice, having dealt with a dog that went through this and, and having another dog that will probably eventually go through this is none of this is going to hurt your animal. Um, a diet change to, to a more senior friendly diet that helps address these issues environmental enrichment, um, even supplements. If you suspect that you've got one of these symptoms going on, you're like, this is not my dog. Starting a supplement like Senalife would be very beneficial because really you're not going to hurt anything and you may be helping. And the caveat to that as well is you may not see your animal get better. And that's a frustrating thing for us as pet owners. By that, I mean what you're really trying to do is slow the onset of other symptoms. In some cases, do the symptoms they have get better? Absolutely. But in a lot of cases, you're essentially putting your finger in the dam to stop that leak and you're dealing with the symptoms in front of you. So you really can't start early enough. I like the analogy about <clears throat> sticking your finger in the dam because I'm Dutch. And I think that's a Dutch story. But that being said, <laughs> Yeah, as a pet owner, you have to be prepared to try things that while you might not see an initial benefit two months, two years down the road, you don't know what you're not seeing because that, you know, ounce of prevention is was put in place some time ago. Uh, so, you know, you make a great point and, and I would probably try to have conversations going forward in that same way. Start early. And while you don't know exactly what you're getting, you can probably rest, be rest assured that, that you're not doing any damage. You're not hurting anything. The only thing you could do is be helping your pet. 
and that's I, I and that's I it. Spoken properly. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I mean, I think that's the point that I really wanted to drive home in this, you know, shorter episode was you're going to deal with this. We know it's better than 60, 70 percent of dogs out there. Um, we know that in cats, it's it's up in that same level. We'll deal with this. Maybe not a horrible cognitive decline, um, but at least some degree of this. So I would say play your cards as if you assume your animal in front of you is going to develop this problem and interventional strategies and early habits can be really beneficial. I mean, even if something is what you said, like, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we go for walks and we take a different route and we let my dogs, you know, sniff different things. And maybe in those two days in between, we get a new toy or we get a cat, a toy that um, stimulates them and keeps them active. These are habits that can be started way early in life that we can just keep right on going and we'll continue to improve the mental health of the animal in front of you. Being active has to play a role in aging. Uh, if it does in humans, you have to believe it does in pets as well. Agree a hundred percent. And you know, these things, like I said, are not expensive. You got to feed your pet. You've got to take them outside. You've got to play with them, all that kind of good stuff. So I think that really covers everything we talked about, Ron. Is there anything from a personal experience you would like to add just to, to kind of close it out here? No, no. I, I think that we did a great job of covering a lot of the symptom signs and some of the things we can do to help. Always fair to wrap up by, by saying that there's no silver bullet. Um, there's not one answer for everybody's pet or person. So um, be open-minded, I guess, is my takeaway. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, really, it's being in tune with your pet, recognizing that when that behavior changes, could it be something medical? Absolutely. We recommend these regular appointments with your veterinarians. We've been preaching that from the beginning, and we're not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, making sure there's not a medical issue and understanding that cognitive dysfunction is a diagnosis of exclusion. But everything we have given you is something very simple and very easy that you can start and do and continue doing that will only improve the health of your animal. So that is all we've got. That is the wrap-up episode of our cognitive disease series. Certainly, if anything changes in the future, we can do an, an addendum as it is. But for okay. now, that's all we've got. So thank you all very much for listening. As always, you can get a hold of us at any of our social media platforms, and we will speak with you all again soon. Thank you for listening to the Senior Pet Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to catch our next episode and follow us at the Senior Pet Podcast on your social media of choice. The information in this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional veterinary advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your veterinarian with any concerns about your individual pet. 